Sorry, my friend. He's a bad cop. I'm a good cop. Okay. You can trust me. I won't be on the show. I'm gonna be on the show. I'm gonna be the star of the show. You started off as the bad cop, but now you're the good one. Hope this movie doesn't suck ass. It will. <laughs> now you're the good cop. Oh my god. The moral is, you're a total bitch. How are you holding up? Because I'm a potato. It certainly does suck. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? Hope you boys brought popcorn. Because I'm about to put on a show. Welcome to Good Pop, Bad Pop with MNT, the witty, the pretty, the brains and the brawn, beauty and the beast. And M, you also bring a lot to the table. How are you? I sometimes bring something to the table, mostly sickness this week. Uh, so to answer your question, I am not well. That's unfortunate. How's your voice? You going to hold up for 40 minutes? Voice is great, but if I sound a little phlegmy, uh, sorry, especially to all those with misophonia, my bad. Um, but otherwise, I've been pretty good. We've had an exciting couple of weeks. Uh, so we did uh, miss a week because we were away. We went interstate, which we'll talk a bit about. Um, so we went away. I got deathly sick, so on and so on. But we are back. We also had some technical difficulties with um, hosting sites that will be unnamed. But we are back. <laughs> yeah, it was one of our pods got taken down. And I was like, oh, this no, is... No, no, it was our whole pod got our taken down. Our whole pod got taken down. This is the man trying to oppress us. They're trying to silence us. They're scared of the truth. Turns out you can't say shitty in your um, pod description. Yeah, don't say shitty, guys. Swearing a, is bad. Yeah, swearing's <laughs> shitty thing to do. Uh-huh. Shitty, shitty, shitty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what have we got coming up today? <laughs> um, today we have... What have we got? All right. So we've got a video game review for Days Gone. Ooh. We have a review of the TV show Future Man. Future Man, man, man. And we have a movie review of... Always Be My Maybe. Yep. And the much-anticipated return of... T's plane reviews, reviews that are on a plane. Oh, you sang the song. They are not plane reviews. I don't know much about aviation. <laughs> and they're not plane, they're quite exciting. <laughs> I could do an aviation review. Wings! Sick. <laughs> um, yeah, and cool. <laughs> and so there, there will be our main reviews. Fantastic. And I'm going to rank dystopias on how likely they're going to happen in my lifetime. Cool. Which I will talk about in our final segment of the day, and you'll see why as we get there. Um, Which we have named dystopias that we might see in our lifetime. (laughs) Yeah. We're so good with naming segments. We need someone to name our segments. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not us, though. (laughs) Not us, no. Um, (laughs) Before we dive into those, we've we've been around. We've done a few things this last couple of weeks. Um, And what have we been doing? We uh, went to the Sunshine State, known as Queensland in Australia. Um, we went up there for a bunch of reasons, but some of the reasons we went up there was to uh, revisit our theme parks. Now, we are a little bit spoiled because the last theme parks we went to were Disney ones, so we were going in with some low expectations. Now, I don't Strange know about flex. you. Weird flex, but okay. I don't know about you, T, but I had some very low expectations of uh, <laughs> Movie World and Dream World because last time I went to Movie World, I was 12 and it was a little lame then. And Dream World, you know, murders people. So, um, look, I, I don't know that I was going in feeling really hopeful. So just broadening, we thought we'd talk about 
theme parks on a pop culture podcast, since everything is so heavily pop culture themed, particularly in movie world. Um, So the two we went to are Dreamworld and Movie World. Em and I are theme park veterans. We've been to the four Disneys and two Universals in Florida and the two Disneys in Cali or Anaheim, Um, which is a few. It ain't nothing. We could go to more. Um, so we like our theme parks, and we thought we'd check out the old Aussie ones. Yes. Now, just to put it out there, Movie World's crushing it. Yeah, it is. Now, I know that that's always gotten the worst rap out of the two. A lot of people always say that Dream World's the best, they've got the better rides. Not so, my friend. Perhaps in the 90s, but not anymore. Uh, Movie World has some dope us roller coasters um there's like would you say two new ones there's two new mm. ones that i don't remember i went there seven ish years ago mm-hmm. and um went on everything then back then the superman ride was quite new but now superman ride is still there but there was uh rivals dc coaster dc rivals which is a it was really good it was a hyper coaster for those who know a lot about coasters hmm Especially if you play Roller Coaster Tycoon. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that was really good. It had nothing to do with um, DC at all. I mean, it was decorated. There was a big Joker thing on top of it. Yeah, but that, that was really it. And there was yeah. an Aquaman. It was um, on the side. <laughs> real, like, flipped you upside down. You went straight down. But it did it so smooth. Like, you mm. did a full rotation, like an inverted twist and a cobra roll. And it was tight. It was. Um, Unlike the... Uh, Arkham Asylum ride, which used to be the Lethal Weapon ride, if that's how long ago you were there, like myself. Uh, that messed up my inner ear bad. Real inner bad. Ear. <laughs> I got off the ride and nearly walked straight into a wall. <laughs> you know what's funny is that that used to be a Lethal Weapon ride. Like, at someone, what, what are the kids like? And someone said, Lethal Weapon, and they made a Lethal Weapon themed ride. Um, the ride's still there, but it's been rebranded as Arkham Asylum. Which Arkham, they did a pretty good job of yeah. like, theming it really well. Uh, based on the um, Arkham games. Mm. So Mark Hamill voice is everywhere. I posted a photo of me with Mark Hamill's Joker from the Arkham games. My favorite Joker. And um, that's still pretty good. There was another weird decision. There was a Green Lantern ride. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> uh, that was nice. What was that? And the Superman one's so camp, but it's so good. <laughs> well, that also did like a, a fairly decent job of like prepping you in going like, you know, in the lion making it all themed. I think they're, they're finally starting to learn some stuff from Disney parks and being mm-hmm. like, oh, wait, people are in lines for a while. We should make that part of the ride. Um, also, go in the middle of the week in winter because there was nobody there. Yeah, we, we basically walked onto every single ride. We knocked it out by one. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. So efficient. And uh, what was the other one? A Scooby-Doo ride. Haunted House. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah, that was fun. That Reminded um, me of um, Space Mountain. That dang tripped me up because I was like, this ride's kind of lame. And then I thought it was finished. A bam to the basement we go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, also very fun. Um, now, Dreamworld, disappointing. Yeah, it's um. so they've had some drama. They had that incident a few years ago where a few patrons died, all very sad. And uh, it's a dying park. You know, you'd rock up at the start of the day and like, oh, the ride's don't open until 11. And you're there at 10. And you're like, well. There's nothing else to do here. And even then, the rides didn't open at 11. At rides at 11, there was nobody there. Yeah. It was was not great. Everyone runs on Queensland time, and I don't care for it as a a Sydney cider. 
And the one centerpiece ride, the Tower of Terror, had to get closed to hose the vomit off. <laughs> also, whoever threw up on that ride, like, you are weak sauce, my friend. That was not even, like, it, the whole thing goes for about three seconds, and it's just not vomit worthy. Yeah. Just yeah, isn't. <laughs> very disappointing. And once I did clean it, we waited. They then closed it again for engineering reasons, and we went, Fuck this. <laughs> and went and looked at some lions. Well, tigers. There was no tigers. There. My bad. Oh, I my. did get to pat some uh, tiger cubs. That was very exciting. Yeah, and went and saw the tiger cubs. Seven weeks? Seven weeks old. Cute. Little babies. Also, one of them tried to eat a hat in the gift shop, and it was so cute. <laughs> <laughs> he went and cuddled him. But oh. You're probably not allowed to do that. No, you can only touch them on the backs. But you know what? So worth it. Um, and they pump all their money from um, from that from the Tiger Cub experience and from the Tiger Show donations. All goes back into um, the conservation of tigers and all that sort of stuff. So that was that was good. I was very happy about that. That's good. Yeah. So in summation, Movie World's crushing it. Drop in, check it out. Yeah, great. Co- if you like coasters, if you don't like coasters, that knocks out like eighty percent of the rides. That is true. So um, go for the coasters. Don't stay for the merch. The merch is terrible. <laughs> and um, Dream World, yeah, couldn't. Couldn't quite back it. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. What else did we do this weekend? We went to a show. We went to the theatre. The theatre. Down at, uh, at Moore Park at the... Is it the Shakespeare Theatre? Is that what it's called? I don't know. You had all the info there. Yeah. I just rocked up. <laughs> well, uh, the one that's in Fox Studios anyways. And we got to see on its closing weekend, Puffs. Puffs. Now, if you don't know what Puffs is, it's a unlicensed, completely unofficial... Um, Harry Potter play about the Hufflepuff house and what was going on with them in um, the seven years while Harry Potter was at school. Now, this came from Melbourne, wasn't it? Amateur. It's off Broadway, I think, is the category. Off Broadway. That's the category. There's Broadway, there's off Broadway, and then there's the third one. That really matters here. (laughs) That's true. We're not in Broadway. But um, so the concept of it. I loved for a lot of reasons because it's something I've envisioned for a long time. Now, I don't think we've talked much Potter, Potter on the podcast, but um, if when I take a step Sadly, back, no. I, I hate Harry Potter. Like, the, the guy. The, I love the books. I was and about to get real yeah, mad. Yeah, yeah, I've read all the books multiple times. <laughs> <Okay>. They're <laughs> classics of our time. Great stuff. But Harry is a dick. So every time there's like, oh, which house are you in? And everyone's like, Gryffindor. I'm like, Gryffindor's for the tryhards. Like, get a teacher. Why are you doing this shit? And it's like, oh, man, look at those kids going on Daffy Advent. He killed a teacher. Like... He did. What? He got excuse... Uh, he brought a war to Hogwarts on the last <laughs> book. It was ridiculous. So I've always had this running joke in my head about a story. Um, sort of like the movie The Other Guys, but that in one of these big mega franchises where, you know, all the main characters are doing heroic stuff... But when you see the story not from their point of view, they, it's kind of dumb and over the top. They're like, dude, stop trying to be a hero. Chill out. Like, And this play delivered this exact story, and I loved it for it. It was very fun. Um, also, we had a bit of a, a chat elsewhere about how this would do well overseas. It has been playing in New York for three years. So. Okay. <laughs> so I, so I don't actually know where it Did it come it from Australia? No. I thought that it did because that was the first time I sort of heard of it. But um, but I guess maybe maybe not. Yeah, okay. So maybe our info is not great. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, we didn't really look up a whole lot about it. Um, and they do call it an off-Broadway thing. So there you go. 
Um, and I don't know if you're much of a theatre nerd, but it is made in association with Tilted Windmills Theatricals, John Arthur Pinkard and David Carpenter. Um, so they're in association with that, if you know anything about those guys. Um, and yes, it is called Puffs, or its other title is Seven Increasingly Eventful Years at a Certain School of Magic and Magic. Hmm. And so you see the, the Hufflepuff characters going to um, classes. So there's you know a Snape, a Dumbledore... All this sort of stuff. Mm. And you see it all from another perspective. So imagine the world where the cool hero is Cedric Diggory. So cool. So you can see Cedric, how this becomes problematic. Cedric. Cedric. <laughs> yeah, what an interval. <laughs> um, Spoiler alert. Doesn't end well for Cedric. <laughs> poor Cedric. Oh my god, they went for the jugular. <laughs> Did they ever. Um, and it was glorious and really funny and just... They have a scene where Snape is teaching sex ed. It's um, <laughs> it's fantastic. It's everything you'd want it to be and no. more. And um, and for the particularly for the people who who played in the Sydney show, which is the one we saw, um, the narrator was amazing. Like what a fantastic job. And and now that I've got this new information that's been in Broadway as well. Um, it makes me wonder how much they did change for an Australian audience. Cause oh, you can see the scenes that... They, I know, I know yeah. that they did, yeah. but I'm just wondering, like, what does that look like elsewhere? Because they make the protagonist from Queensland with a really Bergen relative. Well, they funny. just make him from Florida and change all the references. It's all I good. I don't know. Uh, if you didn't get to see Puffs, bummer. Um, but if you go to puffsaplay.com, you can actually purchase it on, uh, like, a, like, a live recording on iTunes or Amazon.com. Uh, hopefully that works in Australia. I don't actually know. Um, so you can catch it there if you want to see all the hilarity, uh, which I highly recommend because it was it was solid. And they, they know the riffs the fandoms like. You know, they make a big deal about, um, Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? <laughs> uh, they even rip on Cursed Child a fair bit. <laughs> they do. And they make lots of jokes and references to the movies, you know, just halfway through they go, oh, we don't have to wear school uniforms anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty good. Uh, just push a lot of buttons. Fantastic. I recommend. I don't I know where, where you would see it now. but uh, Yeah, I guess just download it. Um, I'm hoping it goes to Queensland, but I don't know. So, um, yeah, I was kind of impressed. Like, it was a lot bigger than I thought. Like, because it was so unlicensed and whatnot, I thought it was just going to be some, yeah, like, small time. I thought it was going to be quite... They weren't allowed to reference anything, yeah. but they have, you know, cameos from Harry Potter all the way through it. Well, they're just names. I don't think you can, like, copyright a name. Um, it is, however, going to Brisbane, so that is starting to show from the 23rd of August in Brisbane. Um, I don't know where, somewhere. Again, you can just go and have a have a little sticky, have a look at Ticketech.com. So, that was Puffs. Sick. Now, any other little tidbits, or do we want to dr- dive into our main segments? Uh, the only other spot of news I had, which um, was weird, is um, did you hear that Chris Rock is about to reboot the Saw franchise, as in the horror thriller movies Saw? You mentioned, I think you mentioned this to me off air. You didn't mention this to me on the last pod, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> Deja vu. Um, yeah... I don't know why. Yeah. Look, I don't know. Honestly, Saw's not even... It's not old enough to reboot. Um, so that's a Spider-Man. I was going to say, look, it's <laughs> Which we're going to see tomorrow. <laughs> um, but he is going to be working with Pete Goldfinger and Josh Stolberg, who did um, the Jigsaw reboot recently. Oh, well, that's that 
crash terribly. But um, <laughs> oh, look, I thought about seeing it. I'm just like, you know what? I can't. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, but he is also going to be working alongside um, Darren Lynn Bruceman, who directed Saw 2, 3, and 4. Now, 2 was good. Three was all right to all cap right, off a but trilogy. Still part of the, yeah. yeah, and then four, four was terrible. Was, four onwards was shit. Um, so, look, it, it could go either way, but it's probably going to go bad. <laughs> Just bank on bad for that one. I don't even. Yeah, yes. I don't even think that'll be any ambiguity. They've lost all. I mean, some people who are really into the murder porn of it will go see it, but yeah. Well, I hope that like I'm imagining. I would hope. That if they're rebooting it, they wouldn't make it a gore fest. They'd do something different with it. Mm. Because if they're just making the exact same thing, then what's the point? You know, like it's... Don't reinvent the wheel. The wheel was already pretty terrible. Well, it was like... What they were good at is psychological gore, not actual gore. Yeah. So, you know, going into a pit of needles, like that... Nothing actually happened in that scene. It just looked awful and your brain did the rest. Having to cut off your own hand, you know, that... They didn't show yeah. much on camera. It was all in your head going, oh, that's the worst. Mm. And then they went, hmm, exploding rib cages. <laughs> gross. Yeah. So gross. Because um, the first Saw movie is probably my favorite horror movie. Big call. Big call. Yeah. Um, well, I don't like many horror movies. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so I'm a big fan of the first one and quite liked the second one. Doesn't quite stand up to the first, though. Um, but anyway, yes, that's my only other... And the other news point. So um, what do you all think, listeners? Tell us what you think about Chris Rock rebooting the Saw franchise. Tweet us at goodpop underscore badpop. Shall we dive into some television? Yes. Oh, you want to do... No, I was going to save television to last. Oh. We can do television first. Well, let's go back to films then. To films! Um, yeah, right. All right, after the break, movie reviews. What'd you watch this week? Uh, we watched Always Be My Baby. We did. Now, I know I have to introduce that because every time you go to reference this movie, you forget what it's called. So it's called Always Be My Maybe. Yes. Okay. Not Always Be My Baby. Not Maybe Be My Baby. <laughs> Not Maybe See My Mayday. <laughs> maybe Be My Body? <laughs> what? Booty. <laughs> Tell me about this movie, Em. <laughs> I'll try. Um, so, yes, Always Be My Maybe. It is a Netflix original movie starring Ali Wong and Randall Park. And it's directed by um, Nan... Oh, God damn it. I practiced this for so many times. Nanachka Khan, um, who you may know from Don't Trust the Bitch in Apartment 23. Um, so oh, they make that one. Yeah. Yeah, she did. So um, there's... You know, already know it's going to be pretty great. Um and the story follows um, two Asian-American characters, Sasha and Marcus, who uh, have a falling out as teens and then reunite as adults when Sasha's got to go back to her hometown. Um, first impressions, what did you think? So overall, I mean, it's a pretty standard rom-com plot-wise, but the delivery was exceptional. It's really funny and really sharp. Um, and... Yeah, just the story's not that interesting. They will, they won't, they, then they will at the end. And, um, <laughs> and um, it was just the journey, and it was just, they, they, those two had charm. And I went in, I struggled wanting to go in, because I don't like those two actors because of other roles they play. I know that's unfair. But um, 
I was like, I don't like those two. But then, yeah, I quite enjoyed them. I don't know what you got against Randall Parks. That guy's hilarious. Yeah, he was hilarious as Asian Jim. <laughs> Do you remember Asian Jim? No. From The Office, where he, he goes in and pretends to be Jim. No, I don't and then remember that. Dwight's like, who are you? It's like, I'm Jim. And it's like, what? No, you're Asian. It's like, I've been Asian the whole time, Dwight. <laughs> Why are you so racist? And it's like, I'm not racist. I don't see race. I'm like, well, clearly you do. <laughs> it was like a cold open. It was a really good one. No, I don't remember that at all. all it's right. hilarious. <laughs> Again, why would you hate random fun? <laughs> and it's like, no, this is you. And he holds up a photo and they've swapped the photo and they've put in um, Randall Park and like an Asian family to be Jim's family. <laughs> it's fantastic. Oh, it was I also. I liked that one, but it was uh, his role in Veep where he was the war veteran. And he had he was going into politics, but he had no qualifications other than being a war veteran and releasing a book about being a war veteran, you know, very Americana. Mm. And he was so frustrating because he'd just go around and be like, well, as a war veteran. And Selena Meyer was always like, because <laughs> she couldn't <laughs> compete with the military thing, being a lady and not a veteran. Mm. And it was, I empathized with her frustrations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more great writing from Veep. Um, but anyway, so they have, oh yeah, sorry, you'll continue with your first impression. So you were saying you, you were going in with low expectations. Yeah. And that was quite charming. Um, there's a lot of these movies doing the, the second generation immigrant plot line. So you're born in America and, but your parents are not and, Mm. you know, dealing with that. And they did kind of a twist on that in that normally it's the kid trying to break free um, and the parents, you know, having different customs or whatever. Mm. But it was in this movie, it was more the kids using it as excuses to not do other things. So it's like, oh, I've got to, you know, run the family business, derp, derp, derp. And the dad's like, no, you don't go do what you want. And yeah. It's like, oh, I can't, you know, I don't like my parents because they were never around, you know, when I was a kid kind of thing because they were work, work, work. And mm. then they're like, well, not anymore. They're trying to, you know. Anyway, and I, I liked that twist on a. I did too, because he, I mean, even with a lot of like uh, immigrant and, you know, first and second gen immigrant stories that you do see, they always, are always quite tropey in those ways. Yeah. Uh, and it was good to see something really fresh. Um, hmm. So I really enjoyed that about this movie. I thought that was really good. Um, and similarly, just to build upon that, like, what a diverse film. I don't think there's a single white person in this movie, and it well, was so good. Well, King White Person is in this movie. The okay. white person well, of the month. Besides it? that person, <laughs> which we'll get to shortly. Um, yeah, I mean, both of the characters had, like, really equal screen time as well, which was kind of rare. Um, very feminist film, like, very, you know, because Sasha's a very successful celebrity chef. Um, I did have to look this up because I wasn't too sure if it passed the um, Bechdel test. Which okay. if you don't know oh, what we're that... going deep. All right. Oh, yeah. Because I was thinking about how... Because I was thinking, like, this film's got a lot of PC points. I'm like, that's great because I love something fresh, diversity, modern. Um, you know, I don't want to see the same shit all the time. So, um, but then when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, my God. Did she actually talk to her she friend talked about... talked about work. Well, I had to look it up because I was right. like, oh, yeah, of course they talked about work stuff. Um, but, yes, so ding, ding. She did best. They did pass uh, the Bechdel test. So that was good stuff. Um, so overall, because of all these things, it really breaks the mold of so many rom-coms because every rom-com 
you know, if there is more than two women, one of them is an enemy and blah, blah, blah. And this guy's all like dreamy and whatever. Um, but what I liked about this so much, besides all the things I've already mentioned, is that all the characters were so complex and flawed and just had so much more going on. Like they're really three-dimensional characters and very interesting characters too. Like, um, um, what's his name? Marcus is like kind of a burnouty kind of dude. And, and that's not normally the person you see as the lead in a rom-com. Um, so Are you yeah. kidding? The, the burnout dude is like the quintessential McConaughey's played it. Rogan's played it. Burnout dude is uh, yeah, pretty right. standard in rom-coms. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know, it's, it's framed very differently yeah, here. Yeah. And it's framed in a very three-dimensional way. So, I don't know, I thought it was very different. Um, now, one of the big things, and probably the only thing that you know about this movie, if you haven't seen it or seen much about it, is that it has a great cameo by none other than Mr. Keanu Reeves, boyfriend of the internet. Now, I don't know if they're doing um, Oscar noms for supporting <laughs> cast, but my God, did he steal screen when he was on? But if they do, the um, so Keanu's playing himself mm. or an alternate version of himself. So think James Vanderbeek at Bitch Twenty Three. Mm. Um, but they made him like we assume he's not a pretentious asshole in real life because he's such a everyone. Everything you hear is that he's such a sweet, humble guy. So well, he just does so much stuff for people, and he just—he no one seems more genuine than he does. Right. So he played himself, but as a really pretentious, yeah, very pretentious you know, actor, high A class celebrity, and they go to this restaurant, and it was like <laughs> the hipsterest, wankest restaurant ever. And then they took—you know—you you go to these fancy places, and they do really weird things. They took this and they. <laughs> Dialed it up to eleven, and the scene is hilarious. They, it's very good. Was it? They're eating venison while listening in earphones to the real and the best joke. <laughs> to, anyway, um, the animal they're eating—it's great. <laughs> I was trying not to spoil the joke, uh, but no, he, he's very good in it. And they, um, yeah, it's such a great casting too, because they were like, "Let's take the nicest guy in Hollywood and make him a real douchebag." Um, so that was really novel. Uh, but yeah, honestly, great, wholesome movie. Great jokes too. Um, the only other thing I want to sort of mention about this movie is that if Ali Wong makes, has like her own brand of glasses, I want to get me some of those because every pair of glasses she has is just so stunning and I love them and I just, I want them really badly. So if anyone knows, can you, you know, let a sister know and hook me up because <laughs> I love them all. Any more comments? Um, no, I can empathize with paying a lot for food and still being hungry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I resonated with that plot line. <laughs> He notices the important things in a film. All right, so always be my maybe. Would you give it a watch? Yeah, I would. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spectacular notes from T. Um, and a big thumbs up from yours truly as well. Cool. Now it's time for T's Plane Reviews. That are on a plane and not plane because they're on a plane. Aviation. Now, um... I watched Captain Marvel, but we've already reviewed that, so I won't talk about that much. That holds up on a second watch, oh, just FYI. I was a bit worried because I rewatched Black Panther recently, and I'm like, I'm, I'm a bit bored. Like, mm. it's not really doing it for me. Maybe that I don't one. like Captain Marvel either, but that one stuck it out. Now, today I am reviewing Mortal Engines. <laughs> now, I can't say Mortal Engines without emphasizing it. 
Yeah. I've been thinking why. Probably because of Mortal Kombat. That must be it. Yeah. Anyway, um, based on the Philip Reeve novel and got a lot of hype because our screenwriter, one of a few people, was uh, Peter Jackson, you know, who you know from Lord of the Rings. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now I'm judging it even more harshly. So um, it had a bit of hype as a sci-fi epic and, you know, Peter Jackson's involvement. It came out, you know, with a bit of hype. Now, um... Let's paint the picture. It's a dystopia. It's always a dystopia. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time, civilization was ended by powerful, super powerful weapons. So, like, nuclear winter, nuclear apocalypse vibes. Yeah. Everyone blew themselves up. Mm-hmm. So, now, everyone rolls around in these giant mobile cities to collect resources. So, the whole city is on wheels and sort of zips around the landscape looking for resources to kind of survive. A little bit Mad Maxi. Yeah, and so they're all minding their own business. And then London rocks up. London, London calling London. Yeah. Heads over from Europe to this place, which I think is like in the Americas. Who knows? But anyway, London rocks up, which is mm-hmm. a mad, huge city. And they're out to conquer and eat smaller cities. Sure. And it's Seems got legit. like a mouth and they harpoon the smaller cities and they eat it. And this scene was pretty spectacular. So that was cool. Something um, to be. And my note here is that that was the only good scene. <laughs> <laughs> so London's around. There's characters. I don't know. Um, the acting is utterly forgettable. Like, I don't remember <laughs> what anyone freaking did in this movie. The only exception is Hugo Weaving, mm-hmm. who plays the bad guy. And man, he acted his heart out with the material he was given. Oh, he had to. Yeah. But outside of Hugo Weaving, I have no idea what anyone else is doing in this movie. They're all going on these little journeys. All the, There's all these little plots that went nowhere. There was this... What was it? There was this robot assassin that was around, but then had a change of heart. Sure. <laughs> there was... Um, the daughter of Hugo Weaving, the bad guy, just kicking it in the city, being like, oh, no, I think my dad's a dick. And, like, she's around. And you can see how these were all great fleshed-out book stuff. Yeah. But in a movie, it was really hammered in all these little mm. all these little plots. And, you know, it was they all got equal screen time, and they didn't need equal screen time. It's like, cool, there's this assassin. And, no, oh, the assassin has a heart of gold. I don't know. Um, Weird. So I didn't like this movie. <laughs> now, you watched half of it while you were back at home. Yeah, because I watched the first hour on the plane and then we landed and I had to find a copy to watch at home. So I watched, uh, you watched half the end of, of it, it with you. And this was terrible. Like, I'm very You didn't even at... get to see the good scene. <laughs> no, like, uh, and I like most stuff. Yeah. And I, I looked at this for about, I think I got about 15 minutes into it. And I'm like, you know what? This is terrible. Like, it was, it just was very caricatured and everything felt so unnecessarily turned up to 11. Like, the costumes and the characters all looked stupid. I'm like, this looks like a kid made it. Like, it just looked really bad. There was a few really weird design decisions. So, mm. it's everyone's all run down and dirty, fallout vibes. And then all of a sudden, there's this, oh, there's this wanted criminal who's a leader of the resistance or something. And she rocks up and she's like Asian steampunk, you know, big pointy hair and like really stylized. I'm like, how come she has 
hair gel and no one else in this movie does like that wasn't even the part that bothered me yeah (laughs) it was just it was just bad and the dialogue was so stilted and terrible like i thought if if i just flicked over to it i thought i'd be watching like a weird very dramatic porn like that's how bad it was it was not a sexy movie no and so hugo weaving's like oh i must take on the like they're mad because some people aren't on these rolling cities and live behind a wall just in a normal city. And they're like, yeah. we must destroy them! And, it, you know, he's like, oh, here's these weapons Why that they? destroy humanity. <laughs> and he's like, oh, let's build those again. And I'm going to talk about all this in a bit more detail once we get to our dystopia segment. Because, um... It's like a whole thing. Yeah, it's a whole thing. But anyway, thumb down, don't watch Mortal, Mortal Engines. Wow, wow, And that's... Plane reviews. Reviews of plane movies. <laughs> um, after the break, do you want to do games or TV? Games. Alright, after the break, I'm going to give my review of Days Gone. After the break. Dystopia. Again. <laughs> no. <laughs> People are only entertained when everyone is dead. Um, do you so- know why? I can explain this. Okay. Here's hypothesis. Here is why. It's because the internet and technology has ruined everything. So make <laughs> anything actually interesting and that couldn't be easily solved by a phone call or the internet. <laughs> like sending an AIM message being like, Doo-doo, hey bro, can you just do this for me? Thanks. Uh, movies will be real short, right? So, um, so therefore everything has to be in a dystopia just so that they can wind back some shit. That's funny because there's a you weren't a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, but there's a whole like there's a season because of the era of Buffy the Vampire mm. Slayer, f- mobile phones became normal halfway through through the show. True, and there and the whole show's premise was where's this person? What's happening? <laughs> and then in season seven, they all got mobile phones and they sort of made jokes about it, like, huh, <laughs> this is this is really easy. <laughs> Like, but, oh no, all of Sunnydale's in a black spot. Anyway. And, and then the show got cut to 15-minute episodes. <laughs> yeah, everything got <laughs> done so quickly. Like, Neville could have done it in three books. <laughs> all right, so Days Gone. Um, Sony PlayStation exclusive by Studio C-Bend or Cybend. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know much about them, but they're famous for making Bubsy 3D. Ah, cool! And Siphon Filter. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Siphon Filter was actually... Strange mix of games. Yeah, so they haven't done much. Anyway, so we're in the not-too-distant future. It's zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. They don't call them zombies in this. They're freakers. Um, um. And they're rolling around the countryside in freaker-infested Oregon. Mm-hmm. And you're a... Who are you? You play a guy called Deacon, who's a bikey drifter type um settings very walking dead the zombies are around but mostly for the drama it's not about the zombies the zombies are just kind of in the way while Mm -hmm. you're going to settlements and it's survival themes walking dead so big open world focuses on survival and not that you have to make any decisions but kind of the stories about your dude and his kind of moral compass and kind of lone wolf drifter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and everyone's like why don't you settle down and he's like nah man i'm a lone wolf except for my buddy boozer <laughs> not about that life man not about that and it's all about the character interactions resources are scarce and you generally want to avoid the zombies Standard. now 
you're rolling around uh, the gameplay. You're focusing on getting upgrades for your bike. Um, it's got sort of an RPG skill tree where you get stronger at either smashing things with a bat or getting better with guns. And you visit these settlements and you have like a trust ranking, whether they trust you and you do jobs for them and increase trust. And, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, once you have high trust, you buy guns, stuff like that. That's kind Sweet. of stealth. You can sort of sneak around and stuff. So mix between The Last of Us in terms of the crafting, making items and the open world of uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm-hmm. So, except you have a motorbike instead of a horse. Um, and you get these flashbacks of your past life. You're looking for your girlfriend who you think's dead but might not be dead. You don't know. Just sort of rolling around. There's also the classic secret mysterious organization that you might have been involved in the zombie apocalypse. You There's don't always know. one. There's always that. And... Um, that's most of the story, really. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually finished it yet, but that's sort of the vibes. Um, it's pretty good. There's mm-hmm. something they haven't quite captured. So by combining those two previous games I mentioned, they haven't mm-hmm. been as good as either of them. So in Red Dead Redemption 2, you could just roll in the countryside oh, yeah, and have a grand time. You spend 50 hours doing no story. Nothing. You're just, just ex- wandering, shit. exploring, yeah. camping, hunting, whatever. There's nothing like that in Days Gone. You can do that, but it's nothing to do. It <laughs> still seems like, while you can go anywhere, it still seems pretty linear. Yeah, yeah. so I'm a classic, never do them, never advance the main story, do everything else first, but I ran out of things to do pretty quick. Nah. And Last of Us, in the zombie setting, because it was linear, you had these brilliant set pieces that led to these fantastic levels and things mm. happening. And this one, it's not quite happening Mm. so there's humans and zombies and sometimes you can get those two to interact to interesting effect but it's not really part of the game unless you really sort of seek seek it out and it's not hard enough to worry about it anyway um so it's good high sixes maybe a seven but um Mm. just okay a couple weird notes um this is a few years post-apocalypse you know society's collapsed Despite all that, I'm killing an awful lot of people. Like, I'm killing people left, right, and center. Mm. And I'm like... Like, not zombies, like people. The people, people yeah. There's lots of zombies. Plenty of zombies to kill. And it's not zombie bite you, you turn to zombie rules. No one's turning into zombies. They're oh, just... I didn't a bunch that. of people are all zombies. Okay, so there's, that explains why there's so many people people then. Yeah, so either you're a zombie at the start, or you're fine. So the zombies right. just kill you and eat you. There's no um, turning into a zombie. Not at this point, anyway. But, yeah, just, there's so many people killing, and it's like, there's not that many people around. How am I killing all these people? Anyway. Um, So, pretty good. I'm enjoying it, Mm. but it's not one of the masterpieces. We've been spoiled by Sony exclusives, so everyone put a whole heap of um, hype on this one. Mm. Looks gorgeous. Excellent graphics. Great weather. And wandering around in the <laughs> snow, and the snow sits on your shoulder. Then you roll, and all the snow falls off. Good that stuff. is nice. Now, I haven't played the game, but I have spent a lot of time watching it. And um, I agree with some of those points that you're talking about. Like, Especially given that this game had such a cinematic trailer. And they really drummed up like how emotional this story is going to be. Like, I haven't really seen 
much going on story wise. Like yeah. there's bits and pieces, but I'm like, this isn't really like like you were talking about before, like with Last of Us. There's no like you know coming to a head parts of a story. There's no ebbs and flows of a big story really. So, some things are starting to happen a bit more now as I yeah, that's good creep to the end of the game, but. You get these flashbacks to you and your old life with your um, girlfriend slash wife and then wife and, you know, you get a timeline and mm. you just don't care. Like, you're in the middle of something and then it's like, oh, watch a, have a mini level where you're on a date and you pick flowers with your wife. I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, am I looking for this person? I don't know this person as a character. I'm not invested in this as yeah, weird it... flashbacks. That's not quite doing it for me. Especially just how much they really drove that trailer down. I was expecting a lot more story-wise from this game. We mentioned this on the last podcast when talking about all the E3 reviews. Everyone does mm. these big cinematic trailers and everyone does that. And it's like, that looks great. And you're like, well, yeah, it did. But show me some freaking gameplay. Like, Well, I think unless it's a very story-heavy game, don't try to pull people in with a story and then not give them the story. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I don't mind cinematic trailers, but they need to have a point. Yeah. It's like the cyberpunk. That looked great. But then I'm like, well... You know, you could show me a, a Witcher cinematic, you know, same company. Mm. And there, there's no real, not many cinematics in The Witcher. There was mm. one at the opening credits, but that was about it. Then right. everything else was the I gameplay. now that graphics are so good, I think a lot of games are moving towards a lot more story building. Um, but I don't know, I guess we'll, well, I guess we'll see when Cyberpunk comes out anyway. Mm. Mm. So any more notes for that? Nah, it's mm. decent. Um once it goes cheap, give it a go. But yeah, it's not on the tier of um, Last of Us, God of War, Horizon. Bummer. Not happening. All right. Um, you got any games coming up? I have some games coming up. So I got a lovely email from Steam this week saying 29 of your wishlist games 29. are on sale. And I was like, oh boy. And I'm about to have a month off work. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Uh, let's let's make this happen. So um, I agonized over making a decision and could barely make one. So what I did manage to get is um, the Jurassic World park building game, which I've wanted for ages. I think I talked about it quite a while ago on this podcast. But it's just sat at 60 or 80 bucks for so long, and I'm like, no, no park simulated game is worth that much money. Um, So I held off buying it, but I think I picked it up for either like 10, 15, 20 bucks, something like that. So um, so I've got that. So I'm going to be playing... That over the next little while. I might grab a couple of other games. I don't know. So that's what I'll be doing pretty soon. I'm uh, pretty keen. I don't anticipate giving you a whole lot of feedback because I don't know how good a game simulation game can be. Tell a me park one can be. But What game, sorry? Jurassic World. Right. So you build Jurassic World. Just like Zoo Tycoon or something. Yeah, but with dinosaurs and they get out and eat people and shit. Yeah. Yeah, so... That was pretty cool. I'm down. I like dinosaurs. <laughs> so, coming up next... Uh, TV. We have our review of Future Man from uh, Hulu. After the break. Future Man. Um, this came out of nowhere. Now... I hadn't even heard of this until you were like, do you want to watch this show? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? So, years ago, maybe a year ago, I don't know, I saw <laughs> a trailer... And it had Seth Rogen in it talking about, I'm making a sci-fi show called Future Man with um, old mate, what's his name? Josh, Hutch- oh, Josh, Josh Hutchison. Yeah. And it's going to be great. And then in the trailer, they have laser guns and it all went quite funny. I'm like, That's good. I'm going to watch that. But I never thought about it again. And years later, I'm like, what? 
what was that? <laughs> and I went and dug through uh, IMDb until I found that two seasons exist of a show called Future Man. Um, that season one was last year. Season two came out this year, is my understanding. Didn't it come out 2017? Okay, maybe I'm off by two years. Man, time. <laughs> Makes you think, man. What a mystery. Yeah. So we went and watched the first season of this, which we will talk about today um so it's created by seth rogan and evan goldberg winning combination always so seth rogan you know what's what and goldberg's also involved in a lot of these Mm -hmm, projects mm -hmm. apatow and sandler and all this sort of stuff and he is also quite good um three leads josh hutchison who you might know as pete from the hunger games Mm -hmm. the chef (laughs) I get Eliza Koo or Coop or Coupe. I don't know. Coop, probably. Coop. Um, you may know her from Happy Endings or the ill-received Scrubs spinoff. <laughs> Denise from Scrubs. Yep. And Derek Wilson. I didn't see anything he was in. And, God, where to start? Um, <laughs> Wolf and, what was the other girl's name? Tiger? Tiger, yep. Wolf and Tiger are from the future, and they... Alas, Coop and Derek Wilson. Yep. Who pick up Josh Hutchison, who's a janitor, who's meant to be the saviour of all time in the world. Mm-hmm. And they can time travel and adventures. Now, this show is a love letter to sci-fi. Is they, it ever? The story is like Last Starfighter meets Terminator 2, meets Back to the Future, and all sorts of other things. And, and it's very aware of this. It's very self-referential, which is amazing. Yeah, and they know what's what, and they're talking about... So, you know the thing how in every zombie movie, no one knows what a zombie is? <laughs> Whereas in this one, it's a time travel movie where the people have seen every time travel movie and are trying to so figure good. it out. It's like the jokes um, Paul Rudd makes in... Um, Endgame, how he's mm. like, oh, what rules is it? And yeah. he's like, no, nah, it's none of those rules. I was like, what do you mean? Movies are bullshit. <laughs> but, um, the, right, so dystopia. <laughs> yes, back to dystopia. Um, in the future, there's a medical breakthrough and some evilish company gets really into population control, mm-hmm. borderline mm-hmm. eugenics, and these people are part of the rebellion, travel back in time, and mm-hmm. it's... Mm-hmm this point terminated too and people go back to kill the chosen one and they go on adventures now some episodes are set in the past some are in alternate reality some are Mm. in alternate timelines and each episode is kind of its own can be viewed as its own kind of sketch but it's all tied together very tightly in a really solid it's a 13 episode run beautiful narrative and it's for so such a baddie premise it is an excellently constructed show. Mm. Yeah, I was very impressed. Um, like, I mean, I was I was going in with average expectations because I'm like, look, I love Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, but um, it did look a little budget, but it really wasn't. <laughs> no, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was a bit worried that I was like, oh, like it's probably going to be funny, but kind of shit. But I'll like it anyway because it's funny. Um, but no, it was it was amazingly well made it was very well written it had very clear arcs and very clear um even like side characters and things like that and b plots and it was it was really impressive um 
particular highlights for me, and I won't talk about the episode because I want to be a surprise for y'all, um, is the fantastic bottle episode about James Cameron. Yeah, so they... <laughs> Don't say anything about it. I'm not going to. Say nothing about it. Stop telling me not to say things. <laughs> um, so they have... A lot of the episodes have tie-ins to different sort of mm. sci-fi things. There's a Back to the Future episode, Terminator 2, Last Starfighter. There's a whole James Cameron episode, which you mentioned. <laughs> There's a Mad Max episode. There's a Hot Tub Time Machine <laughs> Esque episode. See, I read that as more of a Back to the Future episode. I can't talk about that plot, but <laughs> no, there was the one thing with the thing, and yeah. there, there was even a Top Gun episode, and it's just bananas. So these guys from the future, they're sort of savages because it's you know dystopia, mm-hmm. and um, they sort of give it up and go and sort of pick times to live in for a while and actually follow them for a while. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, chilling and, like, one of them goes back and hangs out in the 80s and he goes on a whole thing and changes his life and it's hilarious. So much surprising character growth in this show. (laughs) Yeah. Like, ah. So... I also want to talk about, like, how Derek Wilson, a.k.a. Wolf, just really steals the show after a few episodes. Yeah. Um, man, what a character. Oh my god. <laughs> what a performance. I've never... It's such an exploration into cocaine addiction. <laughs> it's, uh, if that's not enough to hook you in, well, I don't know what to tell you. Um, like, So he's the cliche, muscular, warrior type. He's like, I'm a tough guy, badass. Think Jane from Firefly or Baldwin from um, Chuck. That's the same actor on both, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um... <laughs> That job. <laughs> type of character. and um, But after a few episodes, he's like, I'm more than this. And he goes on this whole career-changing Such arc. Such an adventure. And, uh, so, what a show. Yeah. Just what a I, show. It is so good. I don't know why people aren't talking about it. Why yeah. isn't it a thing? So it's a Hulu original. A bit hard to get Hulu in Australia, but sure. you can watch it in places. But we, we just knocked out the first season, and I'm... I'll sit on it for a week, but I'm going to pretty much dive straight into the second season. So I'm very intrigued to see as to what they do with the second season. Um, I don't know if there's a third. Did you look up to see if there's a third? I haven't looked up anything because no, I, I just wanted to run in blind and work it out later. Okay. But Future Man, watch this show. It's the best thing. Maybe the best thing I've seen this year, even though it's a two-year-old show. But <laughs> yep. I highly recommend. Thumbs up. Very good. Hmm. Now, any other TV show stuff you've got, Em? Um, No, that's pretty much it, really, for me. So, I wanted to finish on sort of a vibe. Everything I brought to the table today was dystopia. (laughs) And it got me thinking about which one of these is actually going to happen and which ones are not. So, here's my rankings of all the dystopias I've described today on how likely they are to happen. So firstly, least likely, days gone, zombies, it's just not going to happen. So you say that, but I see like stories every now and then about, oh, this scientist reanimated the dead. And I'm like, why? Have you not seen films? Just don't do it. Don't even do it for science. No good can come of this. Why would you want to do this? Like, I know that, you know, Chuck E. Cheese robots can be fun, but let's not do it with people. <laughs> there was... That famous cracked article from maybe probably 10 years ago now <laughs> talking about why a zombie apocalypse just wouldn't work. You know, just go on a high hill and wait for summer and they'd all die. <laughs> you know. Gross. Yeah, fair point, actually. Yeah, so zombies, unlikely. So that's Days Gone Out. Next, slightly more likely, um, and has been attempted historically, is 
the future man plot where medical science gets out of control and gets into population control mm. and um, eugenics and, you know, everyone is perfect and healthy and stuff like that. You know, like the plot of Gattaca, basically. Mm. Um, pretty crazy, but eh, there's, there's precedent for that. Some people have messed around with that. Interesting, interesting. But in... Despite the movie being awful, Mortal Engines had the most believable dystopia. Well, that's depressing. <laughs> One, London invading America. So, the British invading. That's happened a lot. Not for a long time. That, they, we, they, know that we know of. <laughs> they got to be very polite after all the, after all the shit they did do. So, British invading and causing a ruckus. Very mm-hmm. high and causing... Not an apocalypse, but maybe... Uh, excessive use of weapons of mass destruction. That's how the apocalypse happened there. Oh, that's 100% going to happen. Yeah. We're all going to die. So that one, very likely. But number one in Mortal Engines, Hugo Weaving decides, I screw these guys behind their wall in their city. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to attack them because I am, I don't know, an asshole. So the number one cause of the apocalypse is going to be some asshole ruining it for everyone. I thought you meant just specifically Hugo Weaving. I'm like, you know what? Maybe. I'd bow to Hugo Weaving. Nah, <laughs> He's a... going to rule our world. I'll let it happen. This guy looks great in a dress. There's that American politician who's... I would be a top candidate for being that asshole who's going to ruin it for everyone. I would say so. <laughs> I would say so. So Mortal Engines, not so much a good movie, but a cautionary tale. Mm. Maybe mm. I will recommend it now, just <laughs> to see what's what track we're on. Yes, If yes. we don't... If everyone gets a bit crazy with the nukes and... Um, you know, keep an eye mm. on the British, is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, girl, we're going to get spies and shit knocking at our door soon. We're Australian. We of all people know. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um, but yes, yeah, that's my dystopia rankings. What mm. dystopia do you think is going to kill us all? Mm, what won't kill us. us all? Write in. Yeah. Send us a, a pigeon. Send us an owl. Yeah. Or do. what do we actually take? Well, you take tweets, tweets. mostly. Right. Yeah. Good pup underscore bad pup. Or Facebook comments. They're always welcome also. Um, now, just... Hey, well, yes. it, like, Twitter tweets. If it's an owl, would it be a hoot? <gasps> Maybe. Well, there is that... Uh, there is an app called Hootsuite, so... Um, Does that exist? Send us a hoot. <laughs> Send us a hoot. <laughs> hoot, hoot. Uh, now, just, just want to quickly get back to Future Man for one second. Uh, I did some fact-checking. Oh, yeah? Um, so season two came out in January this year, yep. but there was a 14 month gap between the two seasons and good news T it's been uh green lit for season three, which will be late this year, early next year. Uh, it doesn't say when, um, so it probably won't be a while. It'll probably be a while given it was 14 month gap the first time. It also might depend on what projects everyone's got going on. I don't know. I mean, first season was tight. We'll see if the second season's as good. Must be strong if they've greenlit a third. Like, it so. seems like it would be an easy show to cancel, <laughs> given no yes. one's heard of it. I would imagine so. But yes, Futurama. 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 Future Man. Future Man. Get on that. Um, that brings us to the end of this episode. I believe it does. Thank you for coming on this journey with us this week, listeners. And don't get too depressed about the end of the world. There's not much you can do about it. Just stock up on tinned tomatoes and get a baseball bat with some nails. Optimism from T here at Good Pop, Bad Pop. Tweet us what you think the apocalypse is going to be, Good Pop underscore Bad Pop, or you can drop us a Facebook message at facebook.com forward slash Good Pop, Bad Pop podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe, comment, 
give us five stars or four stars, you know, whatever, I'm easy. Well, I have many one. Hold on. <laughs> if you like it, if you don't like it, you can give us one. But you know, if you don't like it, send us a message and tell us why. Don't give yeah. us a negative review. Come on, it's like Yelp rules. Yeah, what T said. That's much better advice. We'll give you a free podcast. Yes, that's what we'll do. Free episode. <laughs> free episode. Well, if you don't like the episode, we'll make you a new one. No need to leave a negative review. <laughs> Works for my local burger place. <laughs> that's true. Good pub underscore bad pub. <laughs> with that, we've run out of steam. Facebook.com. <laughs> Good pub bad pub. You've done well, Em. Uh, how much um, shitter ephedrine are you on? Not much anymore. Anyway, let me wrap this up. There's only so many times I can... What's that Twitter? Shut up, I'm not saying it again. Rewind 30 pop, seconds. Pop <laughs> underscore tweet tweet owl who. No. <laughs> at what? um goodpop.net.aol. Dot, dot, dot alter this. Bye! Remember, you've done well, Em. <laughs> <laughs>